0: and you know what guess what we forgot to practice before i hit the record button what did we forget uh well this might end up being (laughs) really good it's okay this is part of the bit now yeah eddie eddie (laughs) marian crow (laughs) maria new crow
1: help me out eddie mariana crow mariana crow it's all right uh, trust me i'm used to it and if anything i find it hilarious so it's all good
0: and welcome to episode 105 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I am your guest host, Patrick Gann. And joining me today, we have my... Oh, thank you. We have (laughs) my co-host, Greg Delmage. Hi, everybody. So today, our special guest and the subject of today's episode is Chained Echoes composer, Eddie Marianacro. And uh, Eddie... (laughs) This is really exciting have you, having you on the show. Uh, have, I'm wondering, have you been interviewed on any podcast since the game came out? Nope. This is, oh, this is your first. first. Oh, man, we got the exclusive. <laughs> yeah. We got the exclusive on Eddie, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh, boy. Yep.
0: Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the Chained Echo soundtrack, uh, hoping to gain some insight from you on your writing process and inspirations, um, alongside listening to a couple of great songs that you wrote for Chained Echoes. Um, We asked you ahead of time to bring along some of your own favorite game music compositions and arrangements uh, from yesteryear, yesterdecade, though some of these arrangements are actually quite new, which I'm excited about. Um, Eddie, welcome to the show!
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on here.
0: So first, I gotta know, I've looked at your Bandcamp page, and there seems to be a lot of material prior to Chained Echoes. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in, uh, you know, composition, music production, and what led to you ending up working on this indie game that was sort of a breakout hit.
1: So when it comes to music, uh, I was actually kind of forced into it in a way. Uh, My good friends, they're all in a band, and there was a lot of them, I guess, uh, you know, of varying degrees with, like, their skill level. And they kind of split up at one point, so, two of my friends, one of them played drums, another one played bass. They needed a guitarist. So, essentially, they just pushed that on me. And yeah, just kind of grew from there. Um, I guess uh, I continued writing music with them and then eventually on my own. And, you know, throughout college, I met someone named Randy Buck just on like Craigslist. Uh, because I was looking for people to also jam with at that time. And Randy Buck was a, or used to be an audio director for, you know, a video game studio. And he only just reached out to, you know, say some kind words because he liked the music. And from there, I like got to know the guy and he eventually invited me to, you know, write some music for video game projects he was working on. And, you know, from there, it just kind of grew and grew. I eventually reached out to other developers that were looking for composers or even filmmakers and stuff like that. And honestly, it was just a really long process and journey. Eventually, I just met Matthias on Reddit, and he was looking for a composer at the time. And, um, you know, I saw the ad late one night. And... I just remember thinking to myself, um, this is a game I have to score, <laughs> essentially. Because, I mean, if you look at the artwork and everything, it blew me away, as well as the story he was trying to go for.
2: Well, yeah, how early in the Kickstarter were you brought in? like, uh, Or was it right at the end of the campaign?
1: So I had probably been working with him for a year at that point. Oh, okay. So you saw some good prelim stuff about it then already. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um uh, Lots of artwork. Uh, I don't think I had seen a build of the game or anything at that point yet. But, um, you know, he would just tell me more about stories and stuff like that of the game. And, you know, little by little, the soundtrack was just built from there.
2: Very neat. Um, Is guitar like where you got started with music? Like, did you just start in acoustic guitar or whatever? Or did did you do the traditional piano and then branch out? Uh,
1: No, guitar was where I got started. I never. I never, I'm not honestly very proficient on the piano, but I really enjoy playing it, and that's how I actually Lovely. compose music nowadays, just on a keyboard. Um, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm jumping around on this, because... Uh,
2: no, it's okay, I'm asking follow-up questions, popcorning off of what you're offering, so no
1: stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recall, during college, um, I started teaching myself like orchestration and stuff like that, and Honestly, I never went to school for music, so I had to kind of teach myself a lot of stuff. And I feel like um, I think basically where I am now, it was just through perseverance, constantly writing um, basically every day.
0: Yeah. I I, I do want to say, though, for someone who, you know, you, know you, you got to where you got through a lot of grit and hard work, um, you seem to be pretty like well-versed in a lot of things. Like, obviously, you know a lot about video game music. Um, <laughs> I also noted, though, in the little, like, liner notes, virtual liner notes blurb right up for the Chain Echo soundtrack on your Bandcamp page, you uh, have a quote from Maurice Ravel about um, the songwriting process. And so I imagine... Alongside that, then you know who Maurice Ravel is, and I imagine you've listened to some of his music?
1: Yeah. Um, big fan of his music. Uh, how do I remember, I think, the first piece of music I heard from Maurice Ravel was his uh, bavon for a dead princess. And I remember hearing that and just being you know, taken aback by how beautiful he was able to write for something on the piano. And at that point I just fell in love with like piano music and went on writing piano music for probably like I don't know one or two years eventually moving on to the orchestra. But uh when it comes to music I I think of him as one of the one of the greats and he's always inspiring me with you know his work and lovely work it is.
0: Yeah, and the two impressionist composers of that era, you know Debussy and Ravel are sort of the big two.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Love them both.
0: On a personal level, the first time I ever heard Ravel, and the first time specifically I heard Ravel was Pavan for A Dead Princess, uh, that song was um, used to great effect in Breath of Fire 4. And that's actually the first time I heard not just that Ravel piece, but anything by Ravel. Uh, And so I actually learned that song uh, (laughs) by purchasing and listening to the Breath of Fire 4 soundtrack when I was a teenager um nice and I think I even noted that in my Chain Echoes review well I didn't note that bit but I did note that Ravel is used in Breath of Fire 4 because that was sort of my first connection to him um ah. so it's always nice you know picking up on the classics through new and reworked material which is you know fun because we're going to get into that a bit today um in a different way with some of the songs that you've brought along to share with us today eddie sounds good which yeah i'm very excited about um before we get to those though can real quick uh e sound signal Mm -hmm. uh is that sort of uh is that a moniker for your studio or is that a name for like a production company how do you what does that name mean
1: uh it's just basically anything i do my music work under i guess um whether it's considered a studio or whatever, I just wanted some kind of name for a website as well as a, you know, Bandcamp and where I can, you know, post my music basically it. But otherwise when I do my actual work, I just use my name. Got
0: it. So E, e sound signal felt more professional and slightly fewer syllables than your beautiful <laughs> last name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically.
0: Super cool. Super cool. So, Hey, Um, we were talking about, you know, the kind of awesome music from, I think, our younger years, and I don't know exactly how old are you, Eddie, and you don't need to tell us, but, (laughs) um, you know, some of what you're sharing today, uh, includes, uh, you know, older music that's been reworked much more recently. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the songs you brought, uh, is from Chrono Cross, but it's an arrangement of Chrono Cross. Can you tell us a bit about it?
1: Sure. Um. So, the song is called A World Betwixt. It's from, uh, you know, Chrono Cross and written originally by Yasunori Mitsuda. Um, it's arranged by the brilliant John Paul Hayward, um, who loves that like, game and soundtrack. I think it might be his favorite of all time. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I got to talking with him right around the time the chain Echoes kickstarter came out and he was a fan of my music and eventually you know i got to know him and i learned that he is kind of a genius <laughs> <laughs> he's he's very good at what he does and he eventually does did came out with the uh cross symphonic which is you know his album of arrangements from the chrono cross soundtrack
0: all right and then after you guys hear the cross symphonic world betwixt uh I selected a track from Chain Echoes, obviously written by Eddie. Uh, it's called Flower Fields of Perpetua, and it's one of my favorites.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So uh, take a listen. and we are back uh, once again. You just heard uh, A World Betwixt from Cross Symphonic, uh, arranged by John Paul Hayward, arranged produce, etc., from Chrono Cross, which is of course by Yasunori Matsuda, and then you heard uh, Flower Fields of Perpetua, written by our own Eddie Mariana Crow. So uh, let's start by talking about this wild Chrono Cross Symphonic album that John Paul Hayward did in this track here.
1: Sure. Okay. Um, So I actually got to talk to John about it and apparently the way he approached the overall feel for the song was inspired by uh, John Williams' arrangement of uh, his theme from Sabrina and apparently with this particular arrangement, I think uh, he wrote it for Isaac Perlman, the you know, famous violinist. Um, I guess why he chose, uh, I guess, the violin uh, for it was because that within the arrangement, there's this grace and beauty of the violin that really struck uh, John, John Paul Hayward, and uh, how it was able to show those aspects and be juxtaposed with, like, heavier themes and motifs in the music. Now, when it came to cross-symphonic In a world betwixt, um, I guess the song happens right after a kid is stabbed by Lynx, that is in, you know, Serge's body. And I guess uh, you're flung into this weird temporal space outside of time, uh, a place that looks like a Monet, like a Monet painting. And what he wanted to do with his arrangement was to capture some of the beauty of the scene. Uh, which is why he was setting a lot of the music to strings and setting the scene with, like, English horn. And with the solo violin, he wanted it to portray the playful spirit of Sprigg and this spirit or whatever um, leading surge throughout the area. And through it all, in the middle of uh, the song, you'll hear, like, a motif of the Radical Dreamer's song. Uh, I think this was his way of portraying Surge where it, his head is starting to clear and the gravity of what had happened to him sets in. Uh, and throughout, throughout this entire piece, you'll hear like the solo violin come in and out. Uh, I think it shows up twice. I can't fully remember, but on the second half, uh, what John was trying to do with the solo violin was to have it be almost comforting to Surge telling him that everything is going to be all right. And in a way uh, for him, it kind of morphs into some version of kid, whether it's Serge's subconscious or something more, but basically trying to comfort Serge and tell him that everything's going to be all right.
0: Wow. Um, Talk about taking, (laughs) taking an original track and very intentionally blending, um, you know, the narrative in a way that, you know, chances are Mitsuda when he wrote, um, the source material that being bend of time um, probably didn't have access to or was not fully aware of what we were able to see in the finished product you know with the opportunity to play the game and so what it feels like to me was um, Hayward took you know his own experience with the game and said okay I can turn I can turn this music into something um, you know that not necessarily better suits but On its own, tells the narrative um, in in a new and fresh way. Um, You know, if you go back and listen to Bend of Time, it's disc two, track two on the Chrono Cross OST. It's still definitely, you know, it's peaceful. It's got the guitar work, um, but there's something, uh, yeah, just the instrumentation alone. A lot of intentional work, in, you know, like what you talked about with Sprig doing the. The work of guiding uh, Serge yeah. through this space and um, being reminded of you know what he's there for and what he needs to do and obviously dealing with uh, you know a sense of somewhat misplaced guilt you know because he's not the bad guy but he's been set up to be at this point.
1: I mean, honestly, I kind of think that's that's one one of the defining aspects of John that shows his brilliance with this kind of stuff because he's able to really portray a narrative just from hearing one song and then arranging it in his own way. Uh, I mean, he does that uh, with so many of his arrangement tracks, to be quite honest. And I don't know, I've, I've come to really admire the way he approaches that uh, when it comes to his arrangements. And that's kind of how I try to approach my own music too.
0: It's a really strong insight. Um, really, really glad to have had... <laughs> uh, you pick this song so that we could uh, get more insight, um, not just in how you know a colleague and someone that you admire is working, but also how you're working, Eddie. Uh,
1: one actual <clears throat> thing about the recording that I think is kind of amazing is he mentioned to me how the violinist apparently they had to fly in for the recording, and I guess they something happened at the airport where they ended up getting stuck and missing their flight so they had to end up like showing up at a much later time and they eventually did make it to the studio but it was pretty apparent they're pretty exhausted from the entire trip and despite all that she went into the recording booth and just nailed it <laughs> right right away professional yeah yeah
2: well jeans definitely like the star of the show in this <laughs> i mean hey, oh, it's... yeah uh, yeah it's just an incredible piece of music uh, from like the violin standpoint to get that yeah solo in there and it's it's so like she just, is just a soft delicate um almost like reflective kind of like touch to it all it's funny i put in my notes when i was listening to this and i guess that goes with like how much thought was put into the narrative of building this arrangement um like if you know if patrick had Came to me and was like, Oh, here, listen to this great piece from Studio Ghibli. Like, it's, uh, I would have, I would have believed that some little girl is crying about her, like, friend, the spirit of the North Winds, who everyone thought was dead and is suddenly coming back, um, and telling her grandma how much she loves them or something. Like, well, this song plays, um, in a, in a, <laughs> in a, uh, in a Ghibli film with Joe Haseishi, like, composing beautifully over it. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just got so much heart. Um, yeah. And like that was immediate apparent just from the opening notes. And as it goes on, it's just, it it touches you deep down in the cockles. And I love to hear, like Patrick was saying, that you like to approach your work with that same kind of idea. Um, which, yeah, begs me to ask, like, yeah. Uh, how much insight did you have into each of your pieces, into what you were building for, as you went through the soundtrack? Um, did you have... A lot to work off of, or as Patrick suggested, maybe you didn't, as um, uh, Matsuda had with writing this piece, particularly kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and maybe, maybe specifically, um, you know, what assets did you have? What's, you know, story content? What did you have um, for Matthias and the team uh, when you were composing Flower Fields of Perpetua?
1: So with Flower Fields, I don't. Whenever uh, whenever you're writing a piece of music, not not every song is going to come out equally. You know, like uh, sometimes you have to really, really try and pull a song out and it comes out just piece by piece. Other times uh, it just comes out very easily, very flowingly, and those are the times I'm really happy with the music. Uh, Flower Fields is one one of those moments where it just, you know, came out without too much uh too much pull so i'm very happy about that now when it came to the music itself and what material i had um matthias at the time i don't think he didn't have any artwork or anything to show me he had only had like a a story summary to let me know what exactly i was writing for so um the area is called the flower fields of perpetua but that is actually an old name for the area um, in the game, there is, you know, a weapon of mass destruction called the Grand Grimoire. And in the prologue, um, you accidentally set it off. And then the story takes place a year afterwards, I believe. Uh, Fallout... Yeah. Yeah, Fallout from the Grand Grimoire um, ended up transforming this area, the flower fields that used to be beautiful. But now, it's actually a swamp uh filled with like uh man-eating plants and poisons mushroom monsters and stuff like that
2: if i may interject just for a second on that if you don't mind uh, from the gameplay perspective and patrick have you got to this part in the game yet i don't know five hours in nope. i feel like okay oh <laughs> so slight spoilers um sorry because <laughs> it's, it's okay right. <laughs> we have to expect that coming into this mm-hmm. it's uh the price we pay as podcast hosts um but I remember myself, yeah. Like you, uh, when you you start hearing about this place, and you know, I immediately picture again to throw in another Ghibli reference, like those flower fields from Howl's Moving Castle, and that's all I was thinking of before getting to this <laughs> moment. And then you step into it, and it's just like, what the heck? I remember I was playing through, and like something caught my eye, and I was like, wait a minute, and I had to like wait for a second, and then sure enough, a like skeletal seagull flew overhead. And I was like, "That's a fun, crypto, ter- terrifying detail." <laughs> but yeah, yeah like it's—you don't know what you're getting into. And then, like you were saying, it's just this—that um, yeah, this wasteland. It's like such a uh, uh, such a cool reveal that you, yeah, like no one really leads you up to. Like someone they say, like, "Oh yeah, it's stuff's happened," but like I think most of the characters haven't really been there either. So you're sharing their enthusiasm for seeing this place, and you're like, "Wait, what?"
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, name of the place is a little misleading, so catches them off guard once you actually go there. Um, But, yeah, uh, once you do see it, you see that it's not what you're expecting. It's this poisonous swamp filled with these deadly white spores floating everywhere. And despite how dangerous the area was, um, Matthias wanted something in the music to be portrayed as beautiful and dreamy because um, the area apparently can numb your senses or within the world anyways uh, it numbs people's senses and you know people eventually fall asleep and uh, you know succumb to death or something like that and so Matthias wanted me to portray that and he was the one who actually suggested the lo-fi drums uh, the drum kit so that was right away uh, the foundation of the song and you know I thought to myself dreamy, What exactly can I do? Um, So I automatically thought of a harp and added some delay on there, messed around with uh, a chord progression, which you hear now, and added tons of reverb to a lot of the instruments that eventually came in. Like, you know, you hear a solo soprano that comes in with a choir or voices in the middle of the song. And again, are those real or synthetic? Synthetic, totally synthetic. Yeah, I mean, sound libraries have come a long way. (laughs) Yeah, since
2: those sound voices from sound fonts from, like, the PlayStation era and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, uh, I messed around with those, and the way I went about it was that I wanted it to sound like it's serenading you, you know, because the area is supposed to numb your senses and you eventually, I guess, fall asleep. And in a way, I wanted it to sound like Really soothing, but uh, not entirely sinister. But you do hear it start to warp little by little. And that to me was just a way to portray the area and what I was going for. Because usually when I try to write, I try to write with meaning, essentially. Uh, Whether it be through actual notes or adding in effects and stuff like that. Uh, So that was part of the dreamy qualities the music and when it came to like the dangerous aspects of the area if you listen to the song you'll hear like strange ambient noises and a water phone playing throughout it's not up front but it just floats around from time to time in the music um another thing that did come to mind was that um i was whenever i'm writing music i might hum a melody or, you know, sing, sing something that comes to mind. I suddenly found myself thinking about how the area puts you to sleep. And as the music was playing, I just suddenly said, hush, um, in this weird elongated way. And I thought to myself, Oh, maybe, maybe, uh, that can actually work in the music. So I ended up recording myself and my wife, uh, just saying that into the microphone and then editing it to play with delay and then reverse back. Yeah. Essentially just adding on to the aspect of you, you know, the area trying to make you fall asleep.
0: So on a technical level, what you're saying is though the melodic voices are synthetic, there are some real voices recorded for this track.
1: I mean, yeah, but we're we're not singers at all. We're... (laughs) we're far from that and if anything uh when i was recording my wife uh tried to you know just say this she had a difficult time because she kept laughing
2: <laughs> it's a it's a weird thing sometimes when you have to do this kind of stuff out of context um and you're not comfortable with it i mean even as an actor talking to non-actors to like you know read this line suddenly like saying words becomes impossible right like it's just <laughs> yeah you even you're when you're not like i'm not just saying what i normally would the way i would in a normal circumstance like i don't understand how to do this <laughs> so i believe it <laughs> yeah uh, but this is your pick patrick um like what what i mean I, I had the same thought as you as soon as i was like we're doing chain echoes pick a song i was like i'm gonna patrick dang you <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah i i felt like i couldn't not pick this one um you know especially since um you know prior to recording this you know i had pitched the idea of of uh, interviewing you, Eddie, with the context of older JRPGs in mind, and um, you know, when I think about, you know, you mentioned the, the synth voices of the PS1 era, Greg, um, you know, I was thinking of tracks like uh, Mitsuda's Garden of the Gods for Chrono Cross, or um, the way Motoi Sakuraba uses uh, synth voices in Star Ocean Two and in Valkyrie Profile, and I mean, gosh, just the name Flower Fields of Perpetua, I couldn't stop thinking about like, um, like the field of flowers that you know Lenneth is always portrayed in—the one that uh, is beautiful, but if you walk into it, it will poison you and put you into an eternal sleep. Um, oh, wow. Does that sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to say, you know, even though. The, you know, like you said, the sound fonts, the libraries, all of that has improved tremendously, you know, from, yeah. you know, the years 99, 2000, up to today. Um, essentially, when I hear a track like this, it really, for me, harkens back to, um, you know, composers who knew the power of voice, even if it wasn't a live recording, could uh, send people into the space where they think of something um calming or pure or even sacred but at the same time um uh, ethereal to the point of maybe being a little dangerous
1: it's like a siren song
0: yes yeah, very much so and especially for the environment in chained echoes
1: yeah that makes sense uh, i can agree with that um to be honest though when when it came to writing the song i i honestly don't really think i had any kind of uh previous art and like jrpg music in mind uh amazing that's cool i mean i guess simply put i just i'm just kind of a weirdo who sits behind like a keyboard and hope you know hopes for the best (laughs) and hopes that like a song materializes in front of me i imagine there's a lot of people out there like that (laughs) yeah yeah um that was kind of how i approached the song and you know inspired (laughs) by what Matthias told me about the area well and that's nice that it came from
2: such a pure place because I mean for myself um again and all my excitement to get to the area and see it and then to see what it had become um yeah I didn't know quite what to expect musically or whatever uh and I'd already gone through uh and Patrick maybe you hear the same thing as I do when you're going through Roland Fields which is like the first kind of open area you get to in Chained Echoes immediately I was like oh this is very Xenoblade Chronicles like I like this, uh-huh. and then Flower Fields of Perpetua hit me even more with um, the with the, the Xenoblade Chronicles feel. Like I was thinking of the like the Etrian Sea or whatever. I think that's the place.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
2: it was just giving me like some of those vibes. So, but to hear that it, like it didn't have the influence that so much of the rest of the game had of trying to pay those homages to JRPG stuff because visually the place looks like. Uh, again, like another area you could find on the Mechonis, like the inside of them kind of thing. So the whole area just feels very Xenoblade Chronicles. So it's neat that you just kind of like pulled it out of, uh, yeah, straight from the description in your own own mental place.
1: To be honest, uh, when it comes to the game itself and all the artwork and what you see, I would say Matthias himself really, really has probably played a lot. Yeah, he has definitely played a lot more of the... Classic games and a lot of JRPGs than I have. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to what I've experienced and what I've gotten, like, what I have played and listened to, I would feel like I'm a little bit more limited in that aspect, especially compared to Matthias because he has played so much. Um, so, a lot of the music, like, I would say I'm not particularly trying to reference like older classics but there are older classics I really did enjoy like Final Fantasy 6 and Chrono Trigger and stuff but I like for instance I've never played Xenogears or Terranigma or Golden Sun or Breath of Fire or stuff like that a lot of a lot of the games that people adore um really with this I just I don't know with the music of Chained Echoes I just tried to approach it with the idea of you know scoring to what Matthias has written and writing something that I felt moved me. Essentially it. That's uh, a very revelatory discovery. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, in in one sense, though, it doesn't surprise me. You know, I've talked to a lot of composers and, you know, I hear their work and go, oh, you know, this reminds me of that. And they'll say, I don't even know what that is. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, and, <laughs> Too busy and making
2: music to listen to music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, well, and again, it's, uh, you know, it's... It's not just you know our you know young folks like us in our indie scene because um, you know we're all very <laughs> young. Um, yeah. I'll just add this as an aside: the the opportunity that I had about a decade ago to interview Masashi Hamauzu, you know, wow. as a as a Japanese game music composer, uh, you know, we talked about impressionism earlier and Ravel and Debussy, and I mean, those are they're pretty common names. I mean, early 20th century. You know, they might not be as famous names as like you know Bach, Mozart, or Beethoven, but they if you know your classic music, it's up there. Yeah. I uh, I interviewed uh, Hamonusu and asked about um, you know what what music he liked from Debussy or Ravel or what he found the most inspirational, under the assumption that he knew their work uh, because uh, Hamonusu's music is clearly of an impressionist type. He responded and said that he didn't know who those people were. That
2: if I may, he, I have a thing for this. Did he go, Deb who see? <laughs> I'm sorry. Everybody. That's funny. But <laughs> given he doesn't speak
0: English, no, I don't think that joke would have come out of his mouth. Um, no, he just, he just, you know, and he was actually, you know, he went to a conservatory. He's, he's uh, you know, classically trained. And he was just like, yeah, I don't know those names. Um, and I, then I thought, really? like, I wonder if there are like, like, Big famous like Japanese impressionist composers from the 20th century that I just don't know because I only know the Western scene. But like, I was going to say, seriously, yeah, it's a Western
2: point of view, yeah,
0: right. So it, it kind of shocked me and like made me like check my bias and made me think about like what I know and what I think, you know, connects the dots and how I think I would be inspired were I a composer. That's not how everyone thinks, and you know, I I had my suspicions. Eddie, that you know, despite, you know, being able to produce some similar soundscapes that um, this any uh, similarities we found, I had a sense that uh, they weren't going to be intentional similarities. The closest we might get is, you know, if, if Matthias himself said, hey, try using this or try using that because he's thinking of uh, some of his favorite scenes because like you said, he is well-versed in yeah. sort of the old school JRPG world um and wasn't ashamed to sort of leverage that and to make something new and beautiful.
2: Yeah, he still very much yeah. did his own thing, which is the, the glory of yeah. the game.
0: Yeah, if you just yeah, if you if all you do is copy, you know, that's you know it's like that's nice, but I why would I spend money on it? And <laughs> Chain Deco's is definitely something special. So um before we get to our next two songs, Eddie, can you talk a little bit about John Paul Hayward's um, collaboration with you on the Chained Echo soundtrack, because he did work with you on um, the soundtrack, correct?
1: Yeah, he, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for it. He did do quite a bit of work. Uh, It was mainly with contracting musicians. And because I'm not a formally trained composer and I haven't really studied, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Mm I don't know how to write sheet music or transcribe sheet music. Um, I don't know any of the technical terms or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I had to learn how to write music in my own way. And um, with him, he actually knows all this kind of stuff. So um, let me think. Uh, When it came to, I guess, the main theme or the ending theme, stuff like that, I thought I've talked to Matthias about it where he was thinking that having a strong intro uh, that would hook people into you know, whatever you're playing or listening to and then having an outro or mm-hmm. an ending theme that would leave people wanting more. That was kind of what always stuck in my head. So we thought that having actual live players would kind of do that musically in a way, or just enhance the music to do that. And so I hit up John Paul Hayward and, you know, it was through our work together on stuff like this, that gradually we just brought in more and more musicians throughout the soundtrack. And he was, he's always been the guy I go to when I needed to uh, hire out people. There are certain people that I actually just reached out to like, um, a good friend of mine, Matthew Harnage, uh, I've known him for a while and I had him play acoustic guitar on the rainy uh, city of Tormund or even um, another composer, uh, Jasmine Cooper, um, lend her vocals to, I can't remember the exact name, but for this area called uh, Shambhala. Oh, and yeah. The, the oh, Shoot. Yeah,
2: I know exactly what you're talking about, but the yeah, the city in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that Sapentia or No, it's actually
1: let me double check A Tale Carried by the Wind
2: Oh, A Tale Carried by the Wind that was my next guess (laughs) I was was like, like, I've gone through it recently I can't remember the names
1: (laughs) There we go It was uh, honestly it was through these like recordings where I started falling more and more in love with having other people come in and record because it honestly brought some life to the music that I couldn't really achieve on my own with sound libraries, uh, I think the first, yeah, yeah, it really does. And the first track uh, I remember, I believe, that had a recording was actually the standard battle theme, calling a calling upon bravery. Mm-hmm. And I actually reached out to John to figure out how to get solo violin on there, and he eventually reached out to uh, Patty Rudisil, uh fantastic violinist. You should look her up. She does plenty of, uh, arrangement videos and posts them on YouTube. But I think it was through there where, where I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this makes me so happy to hear. I gotta, I gotta keep doing this. And yeah, throughout the, uh, course of the soundtrack that, you know, we invited more and more people to record. I think, uh, I do want to say my favorite person that, uh, has contributed to the soundtrack is actually X Mei Yin. Um, I remember talking to Matthias and we were thinking about hiring someone to do vocals for the ending theme. Because, uh, well, one thing, I'm a very big fan of Nobu Omatsu, and I love his and like his ballads for his ending theme, uh, especially Final Fantasy VIII's uh, ending Eyes theme. Eyes on me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love that song and so you know inspired by that I wanted to do something similar but I didn't really know of any actual vocalist that I would like to do that um, so I was just scrolling on Twitter one day mindlessly going through that as everyone else does and uh, I saw a Before video <laughs> <laughs> yeah I uh, saw a video of uh, X May Yin and she was singing. Uh, a cover of uh, Final, Fan- Final Fantasy Nine Melodies of Life. Aww. And yeah, and I, you know, automatically saw that and just listened to it right away. And I was just, I was just taken back because she sings so beautifully, you know? And I checked her out some more on YouTube and saw she even did a, uh, I think, a Chrono Trigger arrangement, uh Scala's theme or something like that I can't entirely remember and it was at that point where I reached out to her and you know asked her to sing on the uh, soundtrack uh initially it was for only the ending theme but because I hadn't gotten anywhere near the ending theme at all at that point um I just ended up hiring her for more music and you know I'm really thankful for everything she has done
0: Do you know how many tracks she's she's featured on on your OST
1: I believe three of them. Uh, main theme of Chained Echoes. Um, what is it? Uh, a Promise Made Long, Long Ago. Mm-hmm. And then the ending theme, which is uh, Crimson Wings Spreading Through the Blue Sky. That's neat. And we should get all
2: these names uh, for the show notes and stuff, too. Yep. So people can check these individual artists
0: out. Yeah, yeah. Promise Made Long, Long Ago is uh, a really good track. I, I figured she was on for the opening on a new she was on for the ending but yeah promise made long long ago is a really nice track
1: <laughs> thank you um, thank you very much it's uh definitely one of my favorites
0: yeah and uh yeah you know it sounds it's it's always really exciting once you know you hear about a composer putting a project together and they realize oh this is this is more enjoyable even if it's more complicated <laughs> it's more enjoyable when i bring in these talented performers that you know can take a look at a transcription or an arrangement and alongside record it really well they often add a little bit of their own life to it whether it's just a little bit of decoration here or there Mm -hmm. um you know i I am told i've never made a full soundtrack myself and i probably (laughs) never will uh but i you know i talked to a lot of people who said one of their favorite things working with performers is just how they each one of them can bring their own little something that uh je ne sais quoi, or whatever.
2: Well, I imagine the barrier of entry, though, if we want to be real about it, though, it does come down to budget, right? And, and I mean, Eddie, I guess going into this, because this, as you said, you were in from the get-go pre-Kickstarter in many ways. Like, you obviously had a set budget for what Matthias could afford for you, because uh, I imagine you weren't entirely doing it all out of the kind of set of your heart, but you also probably realized the scope of the project. So
1: yeah.
2: was hiring extra artists kind of like a perk bonus of... The Kickstarter going so well, and uh, and then Matias being like, "Well, here's some more money if you want." Like, do you, like how how much were you able to flex the soundtrack from what you initially thought the scope of this indie project was to what it ended up being?
1: Well, initially, I never had any intention of you know recording anyone, um, and I don't know. It just kind of came naturally as because like you know as I was writing the music, I initially approached it in like simply orchestral without too much else going on. And then at some point I was like, I kind of want to add in something outside of orchestra, some kind of synth or something like that. And eventually, you know, the idea of hiring out performers, you know, came to mind and I guess it just kind of grew out from there. So none of it was really ever planned. It just... Happen naturally i guess you just kind of had to go to him and be like can
2: can i have money for this please <laughs> <laughs> or was he giving uh, you kind of carte blanche not that i want to like you know get exactly what your budget was and make you feel uncomfortable with that but i just i know that's probably something you still had to kind of keep in the back of your mind too though as someone yeah. who's produced films and such like it's you have your what you'd like to have but then you have to deal with the reality of the situation
1: yeah i mean you know the reality was we were a small little team i mean, it was matias and i and there was only so much we could really do and afford um uh, otherwise i would have had so many more people in there <laughs> you no, know of course uh, but again, yeah you
2: did so much with so little anyways which is great
1: yeah um you know uh thankfully it didn't really you know break the bank or anything like that it was that's great yeah the kickstarter you know allowed me to do what i did and you know i'm very grateful to all the you know people who backed the project because, you know, without them, none of the, none of this would have been possible. That's yeah. That's very exciting. Well,
2: that's cool. Yeah. It's cool to hear. Um, and um, I guess if I may ask, like what was the first song that you either like that came to you or that you ended up pending for this?
1: The main theme actually. Uh, nice. When, when I first uh, demoed for the project um, he, you know, we decided to work on the main theme because if you're gonna make sure if you're gonna be the composer for a project, I imagine the main theme is the song that you should definitely go for just to show whether you're the right fit or not, because that is basically the most important track on the soundtrack. And Sets the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was demoing for it, uh I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> because <laughs> uh because, you know, he was giving me this chance and I His project looked amazing to me. And so I took a week off from work, uh, spent time writing uh, demos for him, uh, ended up coming up with three ideas, and I sent it his way. And after I hit the send button, uh, I'm pretty sure I went in like full on panic mode or something like that for quite a while until he eventually reached back out and he was like, I like all of it. And at that point, you know, I was like, I got a little suspicious. I'm like, who is this guy? Is he messing with me? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> but no, he's he's a really nice guy. And, you know, for someone to even like all the demos I sent, uh, that's quite new to me. And that's very rare. Uh, we ended up using, I ended up using a, two of those demos, taking parts of it, and eventually coming up with a the main theme. Um, and, yeah, that was how we came up with the first song uh, through that process. That's very cool. Because you hear stories of, like, didn't, like, Uematsu uh,
2: kind of throw together, like, the main theme of Final Fantasy at, like, the tail end of the project at, like, the 11th hour?
1: Was it the ma- main theme or was it Prelude? Prelude,
2: you're right.
0: Yeah, Prelude was the one last
2: second.
1: Yeah. And even, yeah, like, Yasunoi Nishiki was, like,
2: almost, like, quit friggin' Octopath because <laughs> you couldn't figure out the main theme. I really? Correctly, I th- I feel like that was the song that almost broke him on the project. If in some of mm-hmm. the re- interviews, I remember because I got to review that soundtrack and he, yeah, it was like I think it's in just, the
0: liner notes. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's just like that's I guess not where he started, but <laughs> wow,
0: yeah. And then you th- you listen to that vocal ending version of the main theme, um, and it's like I'm so glad you worked your way through that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was worth it. <laughs> anyways so yeah speaking of music let's get to let's get to some more tunes uh um, yeah. eddie if you could introduce the next one you picked on i'm very excited to talk about this one when we when we get to the other side of it
1: oh boy uh yeah so uh this next song is trisection originally written by hitoshi sakamoto and uh arranged on piano by uh purple scala uh it's amazing i'm I'm very happy she did this.
0: And this is a this is a Final Fantasy Tactics battle theme trisection for uh, those yeah. who yeah aren't aware. Yeah.
2: And which version was it? Because I know she's done two different versions.
0: It's the version that is on um, the soundtrack. Or they actually just released a piano collections volume one and two in the last year, mm-hmm. uh, very recently. So this is the I think it's the second version. It's the updated version. That they okay. Using. Cool.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say it's a much more dynamic one, but we we'll could get into that. Cool. Just want to make sure yeah. I listen to the right thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then, um, and then after that, Greg, which uh, which fantastic chained echoes track did you pick?
2: Yeah. Well, it was it was tough because again, you took what was probably my first choice, and then as I was kind of reviewing the soundtrack and picked it up for myself, and was going through things and trying to remember like what moments in the game stood out for me. But I also wanted to try and get something that was a bit different from a lot of the chill stuff we've already got on the playlist today, too, to uh, shake it up. Uh, I ended up going with (laughs) Standing Tall, uh, the Mountains of Cortara.
0: All right. So there you go, folks. We're going to listen to uh, Purple Skull's arrangement of Trisection, and then we're going to hear Standing Tall, Mountains of Cortara. So we'll be back soon. Enjoy. And we are back. Uh, y'all just heard two fine songs. Uh, I'm sure if you haven't played Tactics in a while, you heard Trisection, and even in its uh, piano solo form, that is an unforgettable melody. Um, and then, of course, you heard Standing Tall, Mountains of Kratara, which is yeah, another lovely track from the Chained soundtrack by our very own can we claim you as our very own eddie
1: uh i think you have to talk to my wife about that one
0: okay so <laughs> that's a fair point it's a fair point yeah we can't we can't steal him that's a shame but our it's certainly our guest for today's episode written by uh our very own uh guest <laughs> eddie so um man where do we want to start uh, i guess i guess let's uh let's go back to that first track uh yeah
1: the one that eddie I- picked
0: yeah, I want to know, Eddie. Yeah, why did you pick this track?
1: Honestly, I mean, simply put, I I just really, really was taken aback by her performance on it because I don't. Uh, every time I've seen videos of uh, Ruby playing an arrangement, it's just I don't know. It's always just virtuosic and so thoughtful in the arrangement. Um, When she came out with the Final Fantasy Tactics uh, piano collections, I just jumped on it right away. And I think with Tri-Section, the reason why I picked this one was because I think the song is so iconic. And it's also a song I tend to remember a little bit more compared to the rest of the soundtrack. Um, And the way she approached it, it starts off so strong and sets the tone right away. And that to me was... I don't know. I guess it just kind of caught my attention and I couldn't help, but like smile when I started listening to it. Uh, But halfway through that smile turned into like my jaw just dropping because she starts playing the, I guess verse or main melody again, but doesn't hold the sustain pedal. And it's just like this, like flurry of notes that just flies right past you. And that to me was kind of, how do I put it? Not just the brilliance of her, like, arrangement, but also just showing just how incredible she is at the piano. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that she loves the music of Final Fantasy Tactics. And just listening to the piano collections, there's clearly a lot of reverence in her music or in the music.
0: Do you have experience playing uh, FF Tactics yourself or listening to... The original
1: soundtrack. So I've, I have played the game and been a few times when I was much younger. I need to revisit it, but I have not played it in a good long while. And in terms of listening to the individual soundtrack, I have not heard the soundtrack in a very long time, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I do know it is filled with lots of great music. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean. I don't know, you just... Your favorite job. Yeah, there you go. Uh, my favorite job? In, uh, uh, yeah, in tactics. Yeah, in the game. Might have been... I feel really lame, but maybe, maybe the ninja? There was a That's ninja, right? A one. Yeah, yeah there yeah, was.
0: Dual, yeah, dual wielding is a good idea. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah.
2: Ninjas are pretty uh, savage some days. Anyways, yeah. yeah, it's... You're right, the music's fantastic.
0: Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we're referring to this as the Final Fantasy Tactics Piano Collections. So... Um, Ruby Tong aka Purple Scala or Purple Shala there's so many things to pronounce multiple ways today Yeah um,
2: whenever whenever we ever get like a, a voiced version remaster or a remake of this game and they finally start pronouncing it and then the internet's going to go wild once again of that's not how you say it like Titus <laughs> yeah, Titus
0: Yeah just uh, just <laughs> just take me back to the basics just give me gif versus gif i can live with that forever <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah she has Uh, years worth of really good stuff on YouTube and you can actually if you dig through you can see there's actually an older version of Trisection that she since updated that is used in this very recent release you can actually get Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy Tactics Piano Collections Volume 1 and Volume 2 as not just digital releases, but CD releases as of like a month or two ago. This is early 2023 that they were published on CD form. So you can actually have these physically, but they are not like, um, they're not published by Square Enix. They're self published um, by Pervable Scala. So it's like, um, I was just, you know, looking at this in, in the history of uh, piano music with Sakimoto because for the longest time, uh, you know, I've been following uh, uh, a very cool dude named Casey Ormond um, from Australia who had, in 2011, done a Valkyria Chronicles piano collection, and then just one year later, he did the official Square Enix funded and produced Final Fantasy XII piano collections, uh, which um, you know, people have differing opinions on, but I thought was very enjoyable, very good and very fitting. And there had been some talk behind the scenes uh, and I think there was a lot of fan expectation that Orman would just go on to do a tactics piano collection next. Well, that never happened. But what did happen was with uh, purple scallop putting out these two volumes um, while most of the arrangements are her own. Um, and obviously she performs on both volumes. That's all her performance. Uh, she does have some guest arrangers and on Uh, volume two, there are two tracks from Casey Orman uh, that, yeah, he provided the arrangements for her to perform. Now, Trisection uh, is not one of them. I believe that's a self-arrange for uh, Ruby. And, um, yeah, the whole album's great. I really like Trisection. Uh, I must say, the thing that hooked me right from the start is the opening title music, which, you know, in its OST form was piano. Um, It does this little playful thing that is also used at the intro of Beauty and the Beast for those who may remember uh how that works. The da 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 and yeah, uh I just love how clean, how clear, uh how wonderful this music sounds, and it's just a reminder again that, you know, even if the uh you know the publishing isn't coming Directly from, you know, the people who put this together and, and, you know, I think people know, I do very much love the Square Enix music department. They've been making some really cool stuff in the last few years. Um, I think they, I think they missed their shot on tactics and I <laughs> dare them to uh, prove me wrong by putting out one of their own, but I think it'd be smarter of them to just co-opt and reprint uh, <laughs> Purple Scala's <laughs> two volumes and give her a bunch of money because we nice. already have something really solid here.
2: Well, I think with uh, the rumor mill churning that we might get a remaster of it sometime soon, that there maybe that's when they'll jump on it like they did with 12, but who knows the, uh, how execs work over there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't really done Piano Solo a lot lately. They did do one for Crystal Chronicles a few years back when they did the 20th anniversary, but um, it seems to be a less popular form of um, arrangement coming out of Japan lately, which is sad for me since it's like my favorite form. But uh, yeah, it, if they're not going to step up to the plate, I'm so glad that Ruby did. Uh, and I'm really glad that you brought the track Trisection. Uh, and you know thinking about as you had said earlier you know you eddie you're guitar trained but uh, as a composer like many people who compose you use keyboard as your primary interface tool with a computer to do the recording or the um yeah essentially the songwriting process even if you're not an expert pianist like uh ruby is
1: uh yeah it's um i think at this point it's pretty standard uh because, you know, it can connect to your doll, a digital audio workstation, which is what you uh, compose out of, and just makes life much easier. So even though I can't play anything like Ruby or hardly even play the piano at all, uh, I certainly try, and, uh, you know, everything you hear, that's just me banging my hands on the keyboard. <laughs> I should
0: add, as an aside, you know, alongside, and, and people should just get on YouTube and check out Purple Scala. Um, there have oh, been yeah, a lot definitely. of really good pianists doing their own covers um, and even producing their albums. TPR is is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, A recent one I've been following is Cara Comparato. She's putting out a Chrono Trigger album that's going to be insane, and she's been releasing videos where she plays... It's three versions of herself. She's also on Twitch, I think, so, yeah. But on YouTube, she's been doing these polished videos where it's like she's cosplaying as, like, uh, Nadia and... Uh, or slash Marl and Luca yeah, and, and Scala. And like one will be on piano and one will be on harpsichord and one will be on like pipe organ. Wow. And you need yeah. to dress as frog. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so you get stuff like that. And uh, um, who else did I say? Oh, uh, this is really interesting. The composer, Michiro Yamane, has her own YouTube account. And she has for the last two years just been uploading her own self-arranges of her own music from, like, mostly Castlevania. So, like, Symphony of the Night, Mario mm. Sorrow, Dawn of Sorrow, wow. um, and also the Bloodstain games. Um, nice. her, her, like, self-made piano solo version. So, like, there's some really good piano solo content uh, on YouTube, you know, that will probably never get... Some of it's getting published officially, but some of it is just, if you want to hear it, you stream the video and watch them expertly kick butt on the piano
2: <laughs> well that's probably what impresses me most about this piece because um, i did watch both versions but like her first uh purple scala's Shala, version ruby's version there we go do that then we're gonna have to mince over <laughs> how to pronounce it um ruby's like initial take on it was was rough like it was pretty literal and it yeah, had like a few sour notes yeah whereas now like this is like a really great look at how far she has grown as an arranger and a performer, especially with this being her own arrangement with how much more fun and nuance, the flurry of notes that you describe Eddie. Um, It's got so much more life in the piece. I have have both of them. I love how she dovetails into the victory uh, theme at the end. Oh yeah. Um, And trisection is great. I mean, I my go to honestly, whenever anyone says tactics, I immediately think apoplexy, but trisection is like the next one right after it for me. But yeah, there's just, there's so much weight in those like rumbling bass notes under the piece as well uh, that just adds to the tension that trisection has even when you have that i guess the bridge the a bridge the b bridge whatever mm-hmm. that um like the little staccatos and stuff like it's so intense um i always picture anytime i listen to any tactics music almost always i can hear the tactics rain sound effect especially with trisection it seems to only Oh yeah yeah. i just imagine
0: it there yeah
2: and then of course they like of the sword
0: you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) like you just always hear those sounds they're just you you can't separate them from the music for me in my mind whenever i listen to any version of these songs
1: yeah yeah
2: but yeah this is a great piece it was nice to be exposed to her work i've only heard bits of it through oc remix and such um some of her arrangements there and but uh knowing this album exists, it's going to be purchased soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, both of them. Um, I'm in my head toying with doing reviews for both because they're they're really, this is some top-notch piano work. And so, thank, I mean, honestly, I knew of uh, Ruby's work on YouTube. I didn't even realize the music had been published until, Eddie, you had sent this song to me, and then I went and looked it up. So, Eddie, I mean, I not not only am I eternally grateful for your work on Chain Echoes, but uh, thanks for this recommendation because this is just more great music that I'm really excited to dig further into.
1: Oh yeah, happy to spread the word. It's she did great work. Definitely worth your time.
0: Very cool. All right, uh, so let's uh, let's get into standing tall. <laughs> Talk to me, Greg. Are you standing tall?
2: Uh, I'm sitting tall. If anything, I'm on a stool, so you have to use <laughs> oh, yes. a lot of uh, a lot of core to, to keep yourself from hunching over. So I'm sitting tall, listening to standing tall. I honestly, again, it was like really struggling with what to bring in. I almost debated bringing in some left field stuff, like the Goblin theme song, which I always really enjoyed, <laughs> The character that you put into that, and it makes me think of a lot of the goofy tracks and like Final Fantasy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I do, I do have a very distinct memory of also. Again, like getting into rolling fields and feeling that vibe of being in your first open area, but then um, getting to uh, the mountains of Cortara, yeah, the, the track Standing Tall just hit me um, in an interesting way. Uh, like, because sometimes music, when you're playing games, is there, you like it, whatever. But every once in a while, something will stand out and make you like actually recognize, oh, there's music playing. Like you actually consciously clock it. And Cortara's music did that to me because um, I just like the very earthy feel of of it all like the the voice work of it it feels very strong um and like it's still kind of like very in place with the jrpgs of my childhood in its way of being like this is a mountain song but it's also its own thing with like the that kind of like running piano the like um is that a glockenspiel or whatever like the clocky there
1: yeah there is a glockenspiel yeah Mm
2: -hmm. like it it's all very um like percussive uh, in a lot of it and so much of it um and then you get like that interesting string thing that is usually kind of reserved for uh like very ethnic kind of music that <laughs> that people just kind of like paint over this is the ethnic area but like you use it here again in a nice like mountain area and it gave it like this really nice soaring above the clouds idea of like these again these peaks that are standing tall peeking up through the mount uh through the cloud cover and uh yeah i just I enjoyed hanging out there because of the character this music gave
1: to the region. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm really happy you, you know, liked the song. Uh, I am a little surprised because uh, I didn't really think the song would really stand out. But I remember Matthias telling me how um, the person he was working with, uh, I think uh, Michael uh, from Deck 13, uh, the publishing company, Okay. Apparently, really enjoyed this song, and you know, it really just caught me off guard because I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think the song was anything special, to be honest. Um, was it hard for
2: you to? One of those ones that was hard to kind of pull out, or did you again just kind of see it in your mind and go?
1: So, to be honest, and uh, uh, it's kind of like flower fields of perpetual. This one just came right out uh, because if you if you listen to it, the song itself is a loop. It's not. Yes. It doesn't really change very much at all. So. You're not it really is having loop it's true. Yeah, so if you're not really having to write too many parts at all, it uh it's pretty it's not too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um and I am ha- like kind of uh I am happy that you did mention like powerful aspects of it and the ethnic field because those are what Matthias uh wanted. Exactly what he wanted. Um it's for uh, an area called the uh, Cortara Mountains. Uh, it's this massive mountain range in the middle of the continent. Uh, it acts as a border between uh, three nations, and it's like neutral territory, but it's filled with like monsters and bandits. And a stupid cave that I still can't find. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so uh, because of how dangerous the area was and all board. that. It's all I want. <laughs> uh <laughs> Well, which which cave are you talking about? I'm trying to try and figure that one That's out. That's the thing.
2: Like, well, in the because it has um, for anyone who hasn't played it, it has like a, a reward board thing for doing certain milestoney stuff in the game. And one mm-hmm. of them in every area is finding all the secret caves that usually have a treasure in it. And there's one I'm missing oh. in Cortara <laughs> that I still haven't found. And I feel like I've toured over the area <laughs> in my sky armors and running around, and I don't know where it is, and it's driving me crazy. So when you ask me which one, I don't
0: know,
1: Eddie. I don't know. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I haven't it. gone if, to a guide. So.
0: <laughs> so this is why this song is stuck with you. You've been spending your last <laughs> few hours just digging through this region. Well, I definitely, yeah, it.
2: I've revisited a lot. Because um, like as Eddie said, it's a neutral area. So you kind of do venture in and out of it at various points. Um, I mean, Chained Echoes does a great job of not making you retread ground, which is great, as uh, some people have complained about other things that you bravely default. But, it's, um, but still, when you want to start going... Not achievement hunting, but yeah, trying to hunt for the extras and stuff. You will spend time in the areas, and again, it's a testament to Eddie's soundtrack that none of the music wears on you. So thank you. Yeah, um, but yeah, sorry, you were saying as I before I went off on my um, eventual diatribe <laughs> of finding secrets.
1: Well, just just a quick note on that. Um, so I did play the game before it, you know, it was released, and I was bug testing and trying to one hundred percent the game. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Matthias takes joy in just trying to hide stuff as best as he can and make you go <laughs> on good. this
2: chase. Yeah, you don't wanna yeah. you don't wanna just find it, but yeah.
1: So wait wait, uh if I can remember now. Yeah. Uh so when I first started writing this, Matthias uh mentioned how dangerous the area was and he mm. wanted something, I guess in his words, powerful, rough, and slightly ethnic in a way. Mm. So with the powerful aspects, um, it's like you mentioned, it has a ton of percussion, some really, uh, there's like low percussion that hits, um, uh, I felt like giving that really strong manly, you know, aspect to it. And on top of that, you have a, you have like medium sized percussion, like a djembe and some, a hang drum mm-hmm. and, uh, eventually a bass guitar that kind of, I feel like helps drive the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. uh and when it came to the whole ethnic feel um I ended up putting a pan flute in there mm-hmm. to carry the melody yeah and to great effect yeah oh, thank you uh I think you mentioned the uh whole string uh sound on it um yeah there was that with uh these like ambient pads I ended up putting in there that has like a voice on there oh, Okay. Uh, I kind of thought that helped with the whole ethnic feel also while mm-hmm. portraying like strong winds you would uh, experience in the area. And in terms of like a dangerous aspect, you know, you have the men chanting mm-hmm. the, uh, throughout the song. Um, you've mentioned before how like previous uh, JRPG like music in uh, in the classics like whether they inspired me or not honestly with this one i didn't have anything like that but there was one particular thing that did keep popping up in my mind um i don't know how to say his name but it's from final fantasy 6 uh you know the feral child um that's what i was thinking
2: yeah it evokes the the planes yeah (laughs) um yeah i was actually just about to bring that up if you didn't that's crazy
1: that that was like that kept popping up in my head as I was writing this music. Like uh, I think his victory dance, or just some <laughs> one of one of his animations, or something, kept popping into my head while I was writing the music. So I'm really happy that you thought the same thing.
2: That's kind of funny. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was just very evocative of um, yeah, just this wild, untamed area. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more wild and untamed than squirrels and leaderhosen. But um, <laughs> f those things. Gosh, those oh, yeah, things those. are terrible. But also, the, just the weirdest, like left field monster for him to throw in there. But I feel like that might be a nod <laughs> to his heritage. I'm not sure, because uh, I Mateusz mean, is yeah. German, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's German. And yeah. I know if you do fight them, um, they—I don't remember what German phrase they say but they (laughs) yell out some kind of german phrase you see the text on screen and then they come over to you and just beat you to death basically yeah
2: unless you have your sky armors uh, oh yeah there you go uh, pat don't fight the squirrels without a sky armor (laughs) good to know it's kind of like those crazy squirrels (laughs) in uh, final fantasy 5 the skull that's actually what i was thinking yeah Yeah. but not quite the same
1: yeah they're both (laughs) Uh, hard though
2: yes exactly that's that's only one's clothed one's not but they uh they share that similarity um but yeah so i just when i wanted to bring this out because it was just yeah again a fun standout piece and i mean by now patrick five hours in you probably have gotten there unless you're just really like wandering around looking for secrets and rolling
0: <laughs> that's actually like where i last last saved was uh in the mountains going to the next area Okay. That I don't remember the name of, but I know I'm in the mountains.
2: <laughs> uh, I think yeah, you you head to the forest or whatever next or something, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, for your music influences and stuff too, like beyond JRPGs, because you said like you did a band and stuff. I I, I, I don't imagine it was just like a, a chamber music band or whatever that you got sucked into. Was it like an embarrassing ska cover band or like what was it you <laughs> were doing?
1: <laughs> uh, it was just uh rock music inspired by like. I guess at the time, heavily influenced by, um, do you know the Mars Volta? Yes. I know of it, but I don't know I don't know the music. So, Patrick, do you like the Mars Volta?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: That's great. What is your favorite album?
0: <laughs> oh, uh, gosh.
1: <laughs>
0: Something early. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it came out in, like, 07 or 08.
1: I mean, I'm, I imagine.
0: Did so they have a self-titled album?
1: Well, they have a new they came out with a new album, the Mars uh, yeah, a self titled album, and that's what they're uh touring around with right now.
0: Yeah, I had heard that one and I like it, but yeah, I'm I'm big into like old Mars Volta.
1: Yeah. Uh I'm wondering if the one you're mentioning before that is uh Amputecture or Bedlam and Goliath. I'm not entirely sure. Think- Amputecture? Yeah, that's a good one. Um I guess also you're a big fan of like D. in the comitorium and Francis Demute.
0: Yes, definitely Francis the Mute. Uh, also, I, I know not everyone links this, but for me, like one of my favorite sort of co- uh, comparative pieces to Mars Volta for me is Coheed and Cambria.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember a lot of people the really high voices, them yeah, the concept album mm-hmm. sort of appeal. Yeah.
2: Well, because I asked, because like um, yeah, we didn't bring them on here, but a lot of your battle themes, especially like when you're fighting those um, like the statue battles uh for like the uh the the equipable kind of job things um there's a lot of like rock and guitar in there so i was curious like where your influence came from that because hearing that you don't take a lot of influence from other jrpgs because when you hear those like kind of guitars i think of um like uh hyperduck or, yeah, yes is that what i'm quoting properly hyperduck, hyperduck?
0: soundworks yeah, yeah Chris like Keegan, a lot of like the Dust e- 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 Elysian stuff, getting, yeah. getting
2: lots of uh guitar in there but if that's not your influence then i was like it must have come from somewhere else so you know you must have some great guitar heroes that you look up to for your influence for
1: those bits um yeah i mean a lot of it is like omar rodriguez lopez of the mars volta but i also really love like you know david gilmore of pink floyd uh frank zappa i mean that man's a genius uh you know the list goes on really but um yeah i i like a lot of uh prog rock basically And I don't know, like when Matthias asked me to write rock music uh, for uh, Chained Echoes, I was actually a little intimidated because at that point, I don't think I've really written rock music in a while. Um, Funny thing about, uh, I think you were talking about, uh, what's it called? Never Forget Our Promise, the uh, battle theme for uh, when you go to the statues of Leonar. Mm -hmm. That's what you're talking about. Um, Yeah, that one. Yeah. For that one, uh, what was kind of ridiculous is that um, in 2021, uh, February 14th, actually, uh, Texas experienced this crazy winter storm. And I don't know if you guys know too much about Texas, yes, they but did.
2: I do recall yeah, that. that made international news up here in Canada <laughs>
1: <laughs> Were you guys. To be honest, were you guys laughing at us? Because I imagine you guys go through a lot of snow and you guys handle it very well, right?
0: Yeah, but it's it's not reason to laugh, right? If you don't well, have the, I, the infrastructure, the, uh, right? Right, you don't oh, have the snowplows ready to go like we do. Well, that's yeah. the
2: thing is like I'm in I'm in Vancouver, BC, which isn't a very snowy area. It's the, it's oh, a rainforest, okay. lower mainland in in Canada. So our snow hits a little bit once in a while. Like, apparently, I'm in Alberta right now, which is very familiar with it. Um, and I grew up in Ontario, also very familiar with snow out there. So when I moved to Vancouver and I watched the whole city shut down at a foot of snow, I laughed. But again, they just don't have the infrastructure. Like, as soon as snow hits, you're just like, we're staying home because all three of the snow trucks they have can't handle it for the next three days. There's no garbage pickup. All the alleys closed just because they don't know how to deal with it because it's not something they regularly deal with. Whereas here in Alberta, everyone's like, eh, minus forty, whatever, ten feet of snow, fine. Like, I saw snow plows when I was driving around here the other day that I had forgot existed because I haven't seen them since my child, like, since you know, years ago when I moved into Vancouver and I was just like, Oh, right. Those big giant six wheeler snowplows are a thing. Those are very cool. I forgot those existed because <laughs> I only seen like the conventional ones or some guy with a pickup truck with a snowplow on the front. Cause that's what they have. <laughs> so yeah, when Texas had that I don't know, on one hand, you're like, yeah, but I mean it was also just more tragic how your governor was dealing with it or whatever, but, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it was uh, it
2: was a thing. But yeah, if you're not ready for it, you're not ready for it. But I'm assuming this is going somewhere with your lockdown.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, basically I just remember that song in particular is special to me because I remember it uh I actually ended up writing that song during that whole period where uh you know, we're all out of electricity and waters. But I mean thankful <laughs> to, to play my parents. To stay warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly, basically. But uh whenever I think of that song, I think about that time because the entire city shut down. It was, I mean, I say laugh only because like, we don't, we can't handle hardly any snow at all. So when we get hit with that much snow, it, it, it was very serious. Um, but yeah, we were out of water. Uh, well, uh, pipes were bursting everywhere. We had no electricity yeah, and anything like that. And yeah. So every time we think of that song, I think about that time because it was, uh, it was very different for us. Absolutely.
0: You know, I, I just wanted to add real quick, I, I like uh, your uh, your choices for uh, guitarists that have influenced you. Those are all good choices. A name that I've been f- focusing on a lot lately is um, David Gilmour. Oh, yeah. um, I've always liked Pink Floyd, um, been listening to a lot of their music lately. And then I, I recently learned an, a factoid that is uh, very important to me, uh, which is that it's very likely that the only reason Kate Bush ever got a record deal is because of David Gilmour. Um, he heard some demos of hers and like when she was like 15 and like helped her get in the scene. And if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have running up that Hill, which means we wouldn't have that incredible scene from Stranger Things <laughs> season four. Yeah. I'm glad uh, that
2: get, that song's getting its uh, second coming. It's
0: uh, such it, a good well, song. It was, yeah. was it in June of this last year? It was the most played, most aired, and most streamed song oh. of the month. It beat out any song <laughs> newly released that month. Wow. And, um, and, and
2: Placebo's like, do you want to listen to our version too? That's actually, yeah. I <laughs> first discovered the song was their version, which is also fantastic.
0: But yeah, yeah I've heard a, a ton of great good. covers. Meg Myers has a great cover of that Ooh, song too, cool. but um, Yeah. Uh, I mean, she has an incredible career as well, but she wouldn't have it if it weren't for David Gilmour. So Gilmour, alongside being an incredible guitarist, if you actually look on his Wikipedia page, his association with other artists has a lot to do with him Hmm. recognizing new talent, playing guitar for them on some of their early work. Like, he's really paid it forward in the music scene, helping to scout and find talent, especially in the UK. So. Uh, my love for David Gilmore just continues to increase over time. <laughs> All right, well, I think I think we're we're about about near the end. We're gonna have to wrap up.
2: Yeah, I don't think we have any more grilling personal questions. Eh? Oh man, yeah. I mean, unless <laughs> I we, mean, go we too could personal, go
0: personal. Yeah, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't do that because. <laughs> oh, we're
1: it, approaching the end. Oh we'll boy. We'll be like,
0: hey, what's your uh, social security number, there, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> Very personal. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was thinking like underwear brand but sure let's go there.
0: Both both let's are go interesting. With identity
2: theft. Yes, identity <laughs> theft sounds fun.
0: So if anyone wants to steal Eddie's identity just let us know his social we'll go from there. <laughs> just kidding. No one mess yes. with Eddie. He's my boy. Oh boy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Cinnamon roll protect Eddie. Which yes. by the way, um a random feature I've discovered um in uh, Groove Music on my PC way back when um is that like it will just like pull Artists' um images and stuff, uh, and like whatever photo just happens to be on file in their thing. Like, they have this really funny picture of like Uematsu, probably playing with like the uh Earthbound Papas or something, wearing a headband. It's an okay, yes. whatever. It's him and his element doing his thing. It's cool. But yeah, then like I was listening to your soundtrack, Eddie, that I bought off of Bandcamp not too long ago. Oh, Goodbye, thank folks. you. Thank good. you very much. um <clears throat> And it pulls your face up. And I was like, oh, that's Eddie weird oh my god <laughs> yeah it's you it's a, it's a good it's a flattering photo of you you're a handsome fellow you got your headphones on so it looks like you're you're working at music but it's <laughs> i don't know like where they like you know like do they ask you for that but they just pull it from somewhere like where does windows groove music just like yank this from right like it was it was interesting i just wasn't expecting it when i was listening to your album to be like oh now i know what Eddie looks like okay
1: wait 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 so instead of the album artwork it pulled up it pulls up an artist picture. Oh my god, I have no idea what's going on there, but now I'm just horrified. The power of the algorithm.
2: Yeah, that's just what uh, it's what they do on Groove Music. It does that for all artists that just pulls up their photo, not like an actual album art. I've always tried to figure it out, but <laughs> it doesn't. And you can then make it also your screensaver if you want, um, <laughs> which is also really funny while you're playing. If the screensaver comes on and then shows the artist picture, it's strange. So I could just have oh any boy. on my screensaver. would be great. <laughs> oh boy.
1: I oh. am so sorry for you and your computer. Oh. <laughs> yeah,
2: I just thought it was a fun factoid that I was like, does he know?
1: <laughs> I, I was not aware. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> well, now, now I'm not going to sleep tonight.
0: Oh, <laughs> Eddie, what you really need to do is you just need to boycott groove music and GoPro, yeah, yeah. Apple, or something. Oh boy, because because we can all afford to just boycott platforms like that yeah, exactly. when we're young Being and struggling artists. and whatnot. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. you're exclusive to Winamp.
0: <laughs> my, I think my last question for you though is uh, actually that's funny. Winamp is all I use. Um, I still <laughs> only use Winamp to this day. Um, oh, you
2: should get the Eddie's face skim.
0: I will. Yeah, it's the best one. Eddie's, oh, Eddie's face all over the <laughs> winam skin. Um oh, dear. Eddie, uh you know, by some definition some people would say you know this is this project is this is uh if it's not what we might call making it it's certainly a step towards. Um yeah. can you can you publicly say anything about what you might be working on next?
1: Um all I'll say is I just have music to write. It's basically <laughs> it. All right. He's good, not good doing nothing.
0: Have. He's not doing nothing, ladies and gentlemen. He, <laughs> is, he is working. We can't say what he's working on. I, I thought I'd just try to get it out of him. I was trying to, <laughs> trying to get CE2 or C E D L C DLC or something, but we're going to let it go. We're going to let it go, and we're just going to trust that he's making good music.
2: We just want live performances.
0: Yes. Well, that's uh, that's something that I also think, given the nature of what we've talked about today, mm-hmm. looking at these Arrange albums... Uh, Hey, throwing this out there to all y'all who like to make good music. uh, Maybe we can make the uh, Chained Echoes premium arrange album happen with different arrangements from different folks. I think it's a great idea. Someone should organize that. I don't care who, but let's see it happen. I would pay good money for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Seems worth it to me. A a piano collection would be rad. Yeah, no kidding.
2: Speaking of, you can find all the stuff in the show notes. I'm guessing, right? We'll have all yep these.
0: in the show notes. You're going to find links to VGMDB and how to purchase for both Cross Symphonic and the Final Fantasy Tactics piano collections. So Which, uh, be Chara sure to check those. Cross Symphonic vinyl so. looks real nice. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of want that. And then also, uh, Chained Echoes. If you if you click uh, the VGMDB link, um, it goes to a landing page for the physical print the two cd version which is not out yet but you can pre-order it pre-order it through um it's uh first press games Uh, if you want to own it now digitally it's uh on Bandcamp, it's on itunes and of course uh we have our review link to it as well in the show notes Mm -hmm. um as always we like to talk about uh games that made their debut on rhythm encounter today there were none uh because We've pulled music we from touched. all these games before, yeah. but we have never pulled music from the Arrange albums Cross Symphonic or the FF Tactics Piano. So they're semi-new. Mm. There you go. Uh, Coming up next for Rhythm Encounter, what might we find? Well, uh, after this episode, the next one is going to come out on or around april 1st which i think is a special holiday that some of us celebrate in different ways i'm not going to tell you what's happening on that episode but i will tell you to stay tuned because it's going to be a doozy
2: we have done karaoke in the past so will we do it again who knows
0: last year was a fantastic karaoke episode (laughs) it was a time yes um and then the episode after after that we're planning to look into some seasonal music uh you know a lot of people have done winter themes as a a great way to do like a top 10 list of vgm and that's always fun we thought we'd try it out for spring so uh come on and check that out so that should be episode 107 um if you have any suggestions comments criticisms whatever uh you can always email us at music at rpgfan.com um you can also email me directly, pgan, g-a-n-n, at rpgfan.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Gamodactyl. That's the word game, the letter O, and dactyl. Uh, Greg, how can people find you on the internet? Uh,
2: well, I am Greg Dalmage. You can find me on IMDb uh, in the various credits I've got there, and I'm at G. Dalmage, or at Greg Dalmage, and pretty much anything else.
0: Very cool. Um, Eddie, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about? You want to plug things going on?
2: How we find you.
0: Yeah. How do we, how do people uh, not necessarily track you down and get your social, but, you know, find, <laughs> follow your, uh, your official music work.
1: Go through your musical agent to hire you.
0: Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's a good point. How could someone do that?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I have my own website um, at esoundsignal.com uh, or you can just find me on Twitter as esoundsignal. Um yeah, that's basically the only spots you'll really find me at. I mean, I am on like Facebook or something, but I hardly ever touch that, you know. It's <laughs> dead to me.
0: Yeah, and you're uh, alongside your own website, you also have uh you distribute through Bandcamp. So Ah, right, right, yeah. So e Signal, if you want to get the Chain Echo soundtrack, you're going to be landing on his e Signal Bandcamp page and there's a whole bunch of previous work there as well, including your work prior to um, like um, commercial music for you know games or or other media when you were just doing your band work, right? Right, right. So lots of cool stuff uh, to check out if you want to go there. Um, I wanted to give you all uh, some info on uh, what else you can find from our sister podcasts. We have two other shows. Uh, for those who aren't aware, there's a uh, Random Encounter and Retro Encounter, and uh, there's some fun stuff going on with our show Retro Encounter. Um, It will either have just posted or it's just about to come out um, from when this episode of Rhythm Encounter airs. Uh, Episode 369 of Retro Encounter, uh, the panelists are going to be answering the question, what is their favorite game that is not an RPG? We're always talking RPGs. So they're going to exclusively go outside of the realm of coverage and talk about their favorite non-RPGs. Um, after that, there are plans to publish uh, two back-to-back episodes on Retro covering uh, the new uh, uh, Like a Dragon game, Like a Dragon Uh So that's very exciting. Um As for this podcast and the others, uh, please, if you enjoyed this, take the time to write a review or at least click something out of five, preferably five, uh, (laughs) on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Subscriptions matter. Every time a new person subscribes an Angel gets its wings... Uh, That's not true. Uh, Every time someone subscribes, (laughs) it bumps us in the algorithm, which gives us more opportunity for exposure. You've probably heard this speech from dozens of other podcasts, but again, it really matters. So subscribe, uh, rate, do all of that if you care about the content we make and want to see more about it. And uh, finally, as we do with every episode, we have a bonus track to uh, play us out to close the show. And we've asked our interview guests to pick uh, a song. And so, Eddie, what have you chosen for us?
1: Like uh, I chose Departure from the Terra Enigma soundtrack. Uh, this song was written by Miyoko Kobayashi.
0: All right. So, fantastic Super Nintendo game that made it to every territory except North America. Um, it's <laughs> <sometimes> <laughs> list, songs listed as Underworld often on YouTube, but its official name on the soundtrack track list is Departure. Um, it's a great environmental theme. Uh, and I, I'm wondering what, what led you to chose this one, Eddie?
1: Honestly, um, I know nothing about the game, but a, uh, a friend, uh, sent me this track. I fell in love with it right away. Um, it's honestly, it just makes me feel like I shouldn't either like fist pump in the air or go <laughs> on a journey, like go on a journey to kill a God or something like that, or, you know, maybe do both at the same time. But I just, I really like this song a lot because it has a really good nice vibe and a lot of energy. Well, unless you're
2: 15, you're not allowed to go fight gods. I'm sorry, Eddie.
0: <laughs> uh, that is the rule. That yeah. is the rule. I'm about to break out into an Evangelion song. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so we That's a, such a great pick. So, everyone, enjoy Miyoko Kobayashi's fantastic tune from the Super Nintendo Classic. This is Departure from... Terranigma or Tenchi Sozo and uh, we'll see you next time bye
1: thanks for coming on Eddie oh well thank you very much for having me on here
0: Jono doesn't like me because um, I'm obsessed with the Saga franchise and he hates the Saga franchise. It's our... One um, of his
2: earliest reviews, aw. if I'm not mistaken, when he joined yeah, the
0: site. Yeah, he did RS3, the port of Romantic Saga 3, and like <laughs> I think he wanted to die by the end of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over like writing a platinum guide for uh, like a platinum trophy guide, talking about how much I love beating it eight times. Oh, sh- He's <laughs> like, no, what is wrong with The soundtrack is good. Yes, we all agree that Saga music is always top tier, even it's if the games friends. may <laughs> not be. Though I, I still love the games. <laughs>